What is up everyone? It is Quinn here back with another video. Yesterday, I went through my biggest winners and losers from round one of the NFL draft for fantasy football. We're running that video back. Biggest winners and losers from day two, so rounds two and round three. I'm gonna be continuing to put out content you know, surrounding the draft. Gonna be updating my rookie rankings after day three, so make sure you guys check back in for more fantasy content. But let's honestly just jump right into it. We're gonna start off on the positive side, talk about some of the winners, and I'm going to start it off here talking about Devin A-Chain. He was selected with the 21st pick in the third round, pick 84 overall, and he lands with the Miami Dolphins. Now, I'll be totally honest, originally in round two, I was pretty disappointed when the uh, Dolphins passed on Zach Charbonnet, who I'll talk about later on in this video. I'm guessing you can uh, figure out what section that's going to be. But I was disappointed. You know, it seemed like they were in range to go out and snag him. But they came out in the third round, made up for it. They drafted A-Chain. And I feel like if we're looking at this from A-Chain's perspective, this is probably the best possible landing spot, you know, considering some of the other running back spots had already been filled at that point. We knew coming into the draft that A-Chain wasn't going to be a guy who's carrying the ball 18 plus times a game. He's not a player who's going to carry a massive workload at, you know, sub 190 pounds, but he lands here with the Dolphins with a very, very wide open running back room. I believe they brought back uh, both Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, but both those guys are on very cheap contracts. It's not like those dudes are going to limit, you know, a change usage in this offense. And I think if you're looking at A-Chain as a guy who's going to be getting 12 to 14 opportunities per game, Mike McDaniel is going to set up this dude for some massive opportunities. He's going to put him in great spots to make explosive plays, to make the most of those, you know, kind of limited opportunities in his workload. And just looking at this offense, I mean, good luck guarding an offense with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, A-Chain. This is going to be a crazy, crazy fast offense. So I really feel like this worked out pretty perfectly here for him. You don't want to see him go to an offense where he may get, you know, 10 opportunities a game, but they're not going to be explosive, a coach that can't scheme him up. I think this is a great fit here with the Dolphins, with Mike McDaniel. And when we're looking at uh, dynasty rookie drafts, I feel like he's probably someone who has to be going early round two. I think you could even make the argument for late round one, haven't, you know, locked in those rankings yet. But with a guy like Charbonnet potentially falling, Will Levis, you know, not going in the first round, he could be out of the first round of rookie drafts. So I also wouldn't be shocked if A-Chain is sliding in there as like the 111 or the 112 in your rookie drafts. So A-Chain, big winner here in day two. Another winner that we saw here, I think, was Jonathan Mingo. Got picked with the eighth pick in the second round, pick 39 overall, and he lands with the Panthers. So to be totally honest, Mingo wasn't a guy I was super high on heading into the draft. He had pretty underwhelming college production. I mean, especially for a guy who ended up going, you know, early round two. But this is serious draft capital. This is not, you know, a throwaway pick in round four, a late round three pick. The 208, that is premium draft capital. He's going to be paired with Bryce Young, obviously the 101. And this is going to be an offense that doesn't have a ton of top weapons or really any weapons. Like we're looking at this wide receiver room. Terrace Marshall really hasn't done a ton. DJ Chark has been solid, but you know, I feel like if Mingo could come in, he could compete with Chark. And then we have Adam Thielen, who's probably going to be working out of the slot. And at this point, you know, kind of a ghost of primetime Adam Thielen. So he's going to come in, have an opportunity to start probably from day one, 
and we know he has all the physical tools. 6'1", 226, ran a 4.46.40, which at that size is crazy. 96th percentile speed score, 91st percentile burst score. So I feel like with this draft capital and this landing spot, I feel like he's probably going to be a guy who's going in round two of dynasty rookie drafts. And I feel like that will be warranted here. So definitely a big winner. And then my third and final winner here is going to be Sam Laporta picked uh, 34 overall to the Detroit Lions. And I feel like in general, like this was probably a pretty perfect situation when we're looking at landing spot and capital. He gets the great capital, the tight end two off the board. I don't think many people, if any, thought uh, he was going to go ahead of Michael Mayer. And then he's going to the Detroit Lions, which is a team with a wide open tight end room after they uh, moved TJ Hawkinson midseason last year. And we're looking at Laporta, his production at Iowa, put together back-to-back impressive seasons. Now, if we're just looking at the raw numbers, 53 receptions for 670 yards in 2021, and then 58 for 657 in 2022, like just looking at the raw stats, it doesn't seem, you know, all that great, but they're pretty impressive when you have the context that Iowa's passing offense was just pretty brutal in both of those seasons. In 2021, as a tight end, Laporta was their leading receiver by 318 yards. So really like no one else in that receiving core did anything. And then he was also their leading receiver this past season in 2022 by 259 yards, and then actually accounted for 32% of the team's total receiving yards, which you know is solid at the wide receiver position, even more impressive coming from a tight end. He's also a guy who's going to be checking a lot of the athleticism boxes, had a 91st percentile 40-yard dash, 85th percentile speed score, 76th percentile uh, burst score. So I feel like you know all this stuff put together, he's definitely a guy who could end up going in round two of dynasty rookie drafts, just kind of you know filling out a lot of the boxes here, has the capital, solid landing spot, will have an opportunity, also very athletic, and the college production like a pretty well-rounded profile here coming away from day two of the NFL draft. Now we're going to shift over to some of the bigger losers here. And I feel like we have to start it off here with the duo of Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker. We see Charbonnet go uh, with the 21st pick in the second round, obviously to the Seattle Seahawks. And I'm going to start it off just by talking about this from Charbonnet's perspective. So I was actually pretty excited for him heading into day two with Bijan Robinson going top 10 and then Gibbs going at uh, 12 overall. I kind of thought this would be a nice opportunity for these running backs to get pushed up. Charbonnet probably going somewhere in round two. And then hopefully we'd see some of these other running backs come off the board in round three. So I was feeling pretty good. And then we basically end up getting probably like the worst case scenario, one of the worst possible landing spots here for Charbonnet. He goes to the Seahawks where now he's going to be playing, I guess, alongside Kenneth Walker, behind Kenneth Walker, however you want to look at it. From Charbonnet's perspective, I feel like this is pretty, you know, key that he's going to be used as the receiving back. We didn't really see the Seahawks want to use Kenneth Walker in that role. He didn't really do it in college. You know, that kind of transferred over into the NFL here. Charbonnet is a guy who caught passes in college. So I feel like, you know, that seems pretty set that he's going to have some role as a pass catcher. And then, you know, I think he's also going to be filtering in on the ground. For Charbonnet here, it's just tough to see him kind of pulling away with a massive workload, barring an injury to Kenneth Walker, because we know how solid he is on the ground as a pure runner. Now, looking at it from the uh, Kenneth Walker side, actually, one more thing for Charbonnet. Walker is only one year ahead of him when it comes to like, you know, rookie contracts and they were both second round picks. 
So like if these dudes are on the roster together for the next three seasons, we're looking at a committee potentially like 50-50, however you want to split it for Charbonnet up until that fourth year. So definitely a big, big hit for him, even though he did get that second round capital, which is what we want. The landing spot is just very tough. Now shifting over to uh, Kenneth Walker's dynasty value here, I mean, this is brutal for his dynasty value and his redraft value at this point. The concern with Kenneth Walker, at least for me, was always just the upside. Could he get that receiving role? We weren't really sure, you know, if that was going to happen heading into the 2023 season, but we knew he was going to be a high volume rusher. At least we thought he was going to be a high volume rusher. Now with the addition of Charbonnet, like, I don't think he's going to be a guy who's getting... 18 plus carries a game. He might be somewhere in that like 14 to 16, 17 range. And, you know, you could maybe make an argument and have some optimism if we were thinking the Seahawks were going to be crazy run heavy. Like maybe it was like the Falcons offense last year. You get two top running backs. You're just going to run the ball a million times. But when you have an offense, you know, they just re-signed Geno Smith. Your wide receivers are DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You drafted JSN. Like this doesn't look to me like an offense that's going to be so run heavy. They've got a ton of weapons here. They're probably going to be pretty balanced. So overall, just a massive hit to both of these guys. The Seahawks have a ton of weapons, but I mean, there's a lot of mouths to feed on this offense. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I think this is a huge hit in terms of uh, Charbonnet's rookie draft value. And then same thing for Kenneth Walker overall in Dynasty. Now, my second loser is going to be Josh Downs who ends up going in the third round, pick 79 overall to the Colts. And Josh Downs was someone that I was very high on heading into the draft, but I was also kind of expecting him to be locked into round two. You know, I could see him going early round two, mid round two, late round two, but I did think he would go somewhere in the second round. So falling to mid round three, and then also landing in just a not so great spot. Like I wouldn't say the Colts are a terrible landing spot, But you have a quarterback situation where Anthony Richardson probably needs a year. And even if Anthony Richardson is playing, like I don't think he's going to be a fantasy option who's great for his weapons. I think he's going to be fantastic if he can put it all together, you know, for his individual production. But in terms of a guy, you know, supporting these other weapons, doesn't seem great. You've got an offense with Michael Pittman who can also command a ton of volume. So you've got a Gardner Minshew likely led Colts team. So just overall, not a great landing spot. Like I mentioned, the capital's not great. Heading into the draft, I had him as I believe my wide receiver five and an early second round rookie pick. I haven't really gone through and you know split these wide receivers up. He could still end up being my wide receiver five, but I definitely think he takes a hit in the overall rankings. And so someone who I do think is going to be moving down in my ranks and in terms of uh, rookie um, value in those drafts. And then my third and final loser, I feel like this one was pretty clear, Darnell Washington ends up going late round three, pick 93 to the Steelers. And heading into day one, round one, Washington was like a betting coin flip to go in the first round. We end up finding out that he starts to slip due to injury concerns. And even when Washington was going to be a late round one, early round two guy, he was never going to be a lock for solid receiving production. But when you looked at his size, his athleticism, there was definitely some upside there. And you could make the excuse that he wasn't super active as a pass catcher because Georgia had Brock Bowers, which, you know, could be a fair argument. But now here, late round three, the capital's not there. And then the landing spot, 
the optimism is pretty much gone here with Darnell Washington. Fryermuth is going to be the Steelers' pass-catching tight end. Washington is a fantastic pass blocker, so I feel like he's pretty much just going to be used as an extra blocker at this point. So a guy who definitely takes a huge hit could have been considered as like a mid to late second round rookie pick. Now, I mean, like you may be taking a flyer on him in the fourth, fifth round. Also, I just wanted to give a shout out to both Rashad White and Damian Pierce, who were guys who could have had some extra competition brought in for them. So far, those dudes have avoided, you know, legit draft capital guys being brought into their backfields. So I think they're also winners here. I do think the Texans, uh, you know, if they didn't trade back or trade back up, they could have considered a guy like Bijan Robinson, but I think also very solid for Rashad White here because the Buccaneers did have a few opportunities round two, round three. They could have gone after a running back. So those guys are kind of slipping by at this point. So that is going to wrap it up for some of my day two biggest winners and losers. Let me know what you guys think. How'd you feel about the landing spots? After day one, round one, I was feeling pretty good about the landing spots. Um, round two, round three, I think there were some solid ones, some tough ones, some ones in the middle, definitely more neutral, but, uh, thank you all for stopping by. That's it. And I will see you all in the next one.